Amen. Well, it's Christmas time, so let me be one of the first to say Merry Christmas. I'm going to say it for a month. I know it's Christmas time because we've, we've traded uh, pumpkin spice for peppermint uh, bark. Or what is it? Mint pe- mo- peppermint mocha. Okay. How many of you are peppermint people? How many of you are selling the pumpkin spice? See, it's dwindling. It's going down. All right. That's how you know it's official. It's Christmas time. And I love Christmas. Uh, the women, they did uh, a ornament exchange on Friday, and I heard that was a huge success. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I love. That's fun stuff. I love all the lights and the direct decorations and the movies. Some of them are a little bit strange, um, but there's a lot of really good Christmas movies. And the music can sometimes be annoying. Mariah Carey gets old after a while. Uh, so I love, I love all the Christmas stuff, but the, the truth about it is the way we're doing Christmas, it's, it's possible to have a happy holiday and miss the whole reason for the season, right? It's very possible. And so what I want to do for the next four weeks is I just want to celebrate the Christ of Christmas. And I pray as a, as a result of us just celebrating the Christ of Christmas that you're filled with hope and joy and peace and love. That's our goal. Today I want to talk to you about hope. And I think this is a huge problem in our world. Our world is overcome with hopelessness. Isn't that true? Have you seen it? It's all over the place. There's all sorts of evidence for it. Uh, And there's good reason for the hopelessness in our world because there's a lot of bad news out there. Some of it is true. A lot of it's fake. The real serious stuff apparently is suppressed. Uh, But there's a lot of bad news, and so it makes sense that people would be hopelessness. And things are so bad, here's evidence of how bad things are. In Canada, they have recently started a program. This is a government-funded program called MAID. Have you heard of MAID? M-A-I-D, MAID, Medically Assisted, uh, Medical Assistance in Dying is what it is. And so basically, uh, for really any reason whatsoever, you can get professional medical assistance in committing suicide. So just... That's so sad in a couple ways. Number one, that there's a market for that, that there's people that are actively, willfully stepping into it. They're so depressed and so hopeless. And also sad in that it's being marketed, right? It's sad. It just shows you the state of the world that we're in. And the truth of the matter is, if you don't have God in your life, if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life, it makes sense to be that hopeless, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says it this way, at that time you were without Christ, you were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were excluded from a relationship with Jesus. Without Christ, you're excluded from the promise. The promises don't apply to you. And so you're without hope because you're without God in the world. It makes sense. If you look at all of the problems in our world, you realize it's so big, humanity can't solve humanity's problems. It's so complicated, Americans cannot solve America's problems. It's so convoluted, Kentuckians cannot solve Kentucky's problems. It's so bad, even... People of Winchester cannot solve Winchester's problems. And so it makes sense. Once that that truth sinks in, if you don't have God, it makes sense that you wouldn't have any hope. But that 
should not be the case for us Christians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says it this way, We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Yes, we grieve over the state of our world. We grieve, though, with hope, because we serve the God of all hope. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and because of him, there's always hope. Let's all stand together. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 1. We'll begin reading in verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant. And give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all my friends that have gathered here today. I pray a blessing on each and every one of them. Lord, I pray as we come together, and we are just remembering what you've done for us in sending your son, Jesus Christ, that we are all filled with hope today. Empower us, Lord, to navigate this dark world with joy and peace and love. I pray you'll speak through me, Lord. I don't want to preach a good sermon today. I want you to show up in an unmistakable way in the lives of each and every one of these people, that they're forever changed for your glory and for their good. That's my prayer today, Lord. As you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed, Take a moment, pray for the people in this room. This is your church family. Pray for the needs there in this room, those that you know and those you don't. Take a moment, pray for our city. This is the city God's planted you in. And to some extent, you're responsible for what happens here. Pray God's will be done in the city as it is in heaven. Pray for the people that are going to be watching online, those that are sick, hurting, and those that are hopeless. Take a moment, pray for yourself. Pray pray a prayer of something like this, pray it silently. Father, speak to me. I'm ready to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now, we're so familiar with the Christmas story, it is so easy for us to just slide right over all these details. They're so important. But these two first verses uh, between Mary and Joseph, this situation is scandalous. It's a very scandalous situation, and it hints at a very sad reality in our world. We live in a world that even pretty little innocent girls do awful, terrible, nasty things. 
We live in a world like that. Is this true or false? We live in a world where it's possible that an innocent, sweet, young girl can get engaged to a handsome young man and run off to Nashville and have too much to drink and hook up with some rando and get pregnant by another man and then just ruin the whole situation. We live in a world where that's possible. And it wasn't just possible in 2022. Apparently, this happened enough even in Joseph's day where there was a system in place to deal when even innocent, sweet young girls do terrible, awful things. So Joseph had in his head he's going to divorce Mary, but he's going to do it because he's a righteous man. He's not going to put her to public disgrace. Now, we know the rest of the story. Mary was innocent. This baby was a miraculous baby. But at the time, Joseph didn't know that. At the time, according to the natural order of things, Joseph is left to assume that Mary has committed a grave sin and just destroyed their relationship and their future together. And, and when you're confronted with those types of realities, all you can say is, man, this stinks. But this is how the world is, right? It's a dirty world, but what? Keeps on spinning. And I just got to deal with it. Now, daily, more and more daily, we're confronted with the brokenness of our world. And we see it, you know, you scroll in on your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram or YouTube, you see it, or you watch the news or you read the newspaper or maybe you just walk downtown, you see the brokenness of our world, and when you see it, this is what you say, man, that's messed up, right? And it's obvious, there's no question, undoubtedly messed up, some of the stuff that's happening in our world. It's messed up to sexualize kids. That's messed up, isn't it? Especially in the school, it's messed up. It's messed up to mutilate confused teenage bodies. That's messed up, especially in a hospital, right? It's messed up for journalists to lie. We're counting on you to tell the truth. That's messed up. It's messed up for politicians to cheat. We're counting on a fair system. It's messed up. It's messed up when banks steal from hardworking people. We're counting on you to keep our money safe and you're stealing from us. That is messed up. And here, here, here is as frustrating and as like leaving, leading you to despair as all these broken realities are, there's a glimmer of hope in it, in this. Every time you say, it shouldn't be this way, every time you say, this is messed up, that's your internal sense of justice, your God-ordained sense of justice confirming that there is an absolute universal moral standard. It's confirming that things shouldn't be this way, that there is a way that things should be. And the fact that your soul is offended by the brokenness, that it isn't the way things should be, is proof that God has written eternity on your heart. It's proof that you long for a place where things are as they should be. And I would argue that none of us would be concerned about the way things should be unless there was part of us that believed that they could be the way they should be. And in that, there's hope. Saying that's messed up is actually a statement of hope because it is your soul unsatisfied with the broken now and longing for a better tomorrow. There's hope in that. Verse 20 but after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, our hope isn't in, uh, like, our hope for the future isn't in just wishful thinking. It's not just blind faith. It's not just pie in the sky. Our hope for the future is based on a historical person from the past, and his name is Jesus Christ. Our hope isn't just in hope. Our hope is in an actual reality. There is no other way. People have tried to order their lives according to their will, contrary and independent of Jesus Christ. And all the other ways throughout history, all they lead to is destruction and despair and destitution and death. That's all it ever leads to. If there was another way, Jesus would not have had to come. But Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. He's not one of many. He's the one and only. And so the Bible says there is no other name under heaven. There is no other name. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not Joseph Smith, not the Obamas, not Trump's, not DeSantis, not materialism, not humanism, not secularism, not capitalism, not communism, not progressivism, not conservatism, not atheism. There is no other name under heaven by which men will be saved than Jesus Christ. And he's an actual historical human being. It's not pie in the sky. It's not wishful thinking. It's a person that we've put our hope in. And because our hope is based in a true person in human history, it's a proven and a reliable hope, a trustworthy anchor for the soul. She said, don't, don't get it twisted that Jesus is just a shot in the dark. You know, he's a, he's a last-ditch effort. He's just a Hail Mary at the end of a game. You know, we're just, it's the only thing. No. The angel said, he will save. Not he could, not maybe, not possibly, if just all the situation runs up. No, he will save his people. And you may say, well, how do you know? How can you be so sure? Jesus commandeered a womb and a tomb. Before he entered the womb, it was said of him by the angel, the messenger of God, he will be great. That's what was said to Mary in Luke chapter 2. He will be great. Now, you got to understand, Jesus is born into uh, uh, the home of Mary and Joseph. Joseph they say a carpenter, that sounds kind of luxurious, you know, carpenter is like a, Joseph was a handyman, he worked with his hands, that's what it was, he was an odd jobs kind of a guy, that's what it was, he was the kind of guy that would just go around knocking on doors saying, hey, do you got any work for me? Jesus wasn't born into a wealthy family, Jesus wasn't born into a palace, he was born in a cave, he was born in obscurity, never traveled more than 200 miles from his home, never did anything generally associated with greatness, and yet here we are 2,000 years later, and Jesus is the most influential person who's ever lived. How do you explain that? The angel said he will be great. Before Jesus entered the womb, he will be great. He is great. 
before he entered the tomb, Jesus said, I will build my church. I'm building this movement. And the gates of hell, there is nothing in existence that will stop this movement that I'm starting. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Before Jesus entered the tomb, he said, heaven and earth will pass away. Kingdoms will rise and fall. Empires will come and go. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And here we are 2,000 years later, and for a solid month, the whole world puts everything on pause to celebrate the arrival of this man. How can you explain that? Except for that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the Son of God and the Savior of the world. You see, the truth of the matter is, The only way to answer these historical facts is that this isn't like some compelling myth. There's actual power in that name. There's actual salvation in that name. There's new life in that name. There's victory over the darkness in that name. Jesus Christ is the living Savior. Can anybody testify to that? Right? And here's the the thing. If he can save you. Can't he save a whole church full of people? And if he can save a whole church full of people, don't you think he can save a whole city full of people? And if he can save a whole city full of people, don't you think he could save the whole world? There's hope. There's hope. Not pie in the sky hope. There's hope in a person who's proven his power. There's hope. He did it before. He can do it again. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, sometimes life can be so difficult and the world can be so dark that it's easy to lose hope in the future and forget the power of your Savior. It's easy to do that. It's true of us. It was true of God's people all throughout history, even Jesus' ancestors. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They were exiled for 80 years, and there was a 400-year period where it didn't seem like God was speaking to them. In every one of these seasons, they cried out to God, and they said, have you abandoned us? Have you forgotten about us? And one of the darkest moments in their history, their homes had been burned to the ground. Many of them had been killed. Some of their best and brightest had been carted off the exile. God speaks to them in the midst of their darkness, and he says this, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Friends, Jesus is the ultimate expression that God is with you. He is proof that no matter how difficult things are, no matter how dark things are, Jesus Christ is with you. When you are trying to just keep your head above the water, God is with you. When you're on the stormy seas, he will keep you safe. When you're walking through the fire, you will not be burned up because God will protect you. Now, some of you, you find that hard to believe because you know that you're kind of hard to live with. Don't be poking your spouse, okay? And so you might think, maybe Jesus is with all these other people. There's no way. There's no way he'd spend too much time with a person like me. 
Now, if you look up, I'm sure you brought your Bibles to church. And so if you look up to the top of Matthew chapter 1, what you'll see is a long old genealogy. Now, what's interesting about Matthew chapter 1, I bet you didn't know this, Matthew chapter 1 is the most read document in history. Did you know that? It is, because this people, the Bible is the, most, is the most read document in the world. You know, it's the most influential, the most important book ever produced. And uh, of all of the books in the Bible, Matthew, is, Matthew chapter 1 is the, the, the most read book, because this is what people do. They say, I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? They ask a Christian, what does a Christian say? Well, you need to start in the New Testament. What's the New Testament start with? Matthew chapter 1, okay? And so don't you think God knew that's how things were going to work out, that Matthew chapter 1? And so Matthew chapter 1, I find it interesting. It starts out with a genealogy. And uh, genealogies are kind of boring. I don't know who any of these people are. But then you start digging into it, and this is what you'll see. Uh, Jesus' family tree is full of a bunch of rejects. It's full of a bunch of people that cannot get their stuff together. And I find it very, very interesting when I think about it that God placed Jesus in this family tree. And even more interesting that when Jesus wanted to introduce himself to the world in the most read document that would ever be read, that he publicly identified, because I got some family I'm a little hesitant to claim, he publicly identified with these people. Let me, let me tell you, a backstabbing brother, a brothel owning, to, owning, owning prostitute, a demon-worshiping foreigner, a murderous king. I could go on and on and on. There's all sorts of rejects, all sorts of losers, all sorts of people can't get their life together. And, and here's my point today. If Jesus claimed them, don't you think he could claim you too? No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what people say or think about you, no matter how you feel or seem or think about yourself, there is hope because God is faithful to those who believe. God will claim those who believe. God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so here's the question today, because you know all this stuff. This is all review. What do you do with it? What do you do with this level of hope? Two things. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, Joseph, son of David, the angel says, don't be afraid. So with this level of hope, this is what I encourage you to do. You can live a life without fear. Fear not. It's oftentimes scary to walk the path God's calling you down. Can you imagine being the shepherds in the field that Jesus was born? Heavens are ripped open and some sort of extraterrestrial being comes down and lights. That is scary. It's scary to be a teenage girl who's got a wedding planned. She's been all on Pinterest. She's got all these things pinned. And right in the middle of an angel bursts into her house and says, hey, guess what? You're pregnant. That's scary. It's scary to be a man who's trying to figure out this, like, manhood thing, and you're getting married, and you got to start you know, providing for family and protecting family, and then an angel busts into your room. Like, guess what? She's pregnant, and you are not the father. It's scary. Sometimes what God asks us to do is scary. 
And sometimes, as we're doing the thing that God asks us to do, we're confronted with all sorts of scary situations. The king of the region who has all this power, he finds out Jesus is born, and what does he do? He sends assassins to kill the baby. That's scary. But the angel, the messenger of God, he comes to the shepherds, he comes to Mary, he comes to Joseph, and the very first thing he says is what? Don't be afraid. God is reminding you today, in your trials, in your tribulations, in the face of evil powers and principalities, in impossible situations, do not be afraid. God has a plan in this. And he is actively and interested, actively involved and interested in making sure that he carries out, that he accomplishes that plan in your life. The Savior of the world has promised to be with you. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? He didn't bring you this far to leave you now. If he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. So don't be afraid. Instead, here's the second thing you should do with hope. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Have faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I never thought about this before until this week. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. We skip over that. We know that verse so well, we don't think about it. Faith is the substance of hope. Let me say it a different way. Faith is hope materialized. Faith is hope lived out. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, Joseph said of David, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Fear and despair will make you quit. Hopelessness will make you call maid. Say, I need some assistance. But hope will keep you going. The angel said to Joseph, don't quit. Take Mary as your wife. God is in this, and all of this will result in salvation, not just for you, but for the whole world. Now, here's the truth. We can endure a lot if we know that there is something good ahead. Do I have any runners in here? One, one runner, and he's not even claiming it. That's bad. I know what our New Year's resolutions are going to be. <laughs> oh. Long road trips, how about that? Yes. We can put up with those kids for hours. If we know at the end of this journey, there's Florida, Right? There's some, some kind of sand and water for me to get into. We can do it. You can do four, five, six, eight years of postgraduate work. If you know at the end of this, I'm going to get a good job that I love. Nine months of being absolutely uncomfortable and not able to sleep and hours and hours of labor. If you know at the end of this, I'm going to hold a bundle of joy. You can put up with a lot if you've got the hope that at the end of this, something good is coming. Believer, listen to me, do not quit. I know there may be an uphill battle ahead of you. I know you may have evil work forces working against you. I know it may feel like you can't catch a break. I know you can't see the light at the end of this tunnel, but don't you dare give up. Joseph, don't you give up the fulfillment of the promises. Salvation is just on the other side of this wedding. Don't give up, not now, 
Mary, don't give up. It's just on the other side. Salvation is just on the other side of these contractions. Wise men, it's on the other side of this star. Shepherds, it's on the other side of this field. Friends, it's on the other side of this trial. It's on the other side of this tribulation. It's on the other side of this temptation. Victory is not far from where you are, so keep going. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep doing the right things, even when all the wrong things are happening, because God is faithful to those who put their faith, their hope, their trust in him. There's hope for this messed up world. There's hope in this messed up life. His name is Jesus. He is mighty to save, and he is an ever-present help in time of need. Isn't that good news today? You know, it's beautiful. Here we are, we've got this Savior, and he comes to each and every one of us today, and he says, I want you to be part of bringing hope to the world. It starts with surrender. It starts with trust. It starts with hope. Don't be afraid. Have faith. Let's all stand together. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. He is my hope. And if I didn't have him, I wouldn't have anything. So thank you. I pray that every person in this room is overwhelmed, even in this moment, by your ever-present help in times of need that we be overwhelmed that you are a God who is near us, that we be overwhelmed that you are a Savior to those who don't deserve to be saved. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 21 of Matthew, verse 1, the angel's proclamation, she will give birth to a son, your name him Jesus, because he will save his people, from their sin. Salvation, listen to me. There's at least one person in this room that needs to hear this. Salvation is for people who belong to Christ. If you have not surrendered your life to Christ as Lord, I'm not talking about saying it out loud. I'm talking about actually living a life that is surrendered to Christ. If you're not doing that, he is not your Savior. If you refuse him, there is no hope for you. You can't count on this jacked-up world to save you. And if you look in the mirror long enough, you'll realize you can't really be relied on for yourself to be saved, not by your own efforts, And so this world, this old jacked up, messed up world is as close to heaven as you're ever going to see. But it has to be that way. There's a better way. Turn from your rebellious ways. Confess your selfishness and pride. Admit that you can't save yourself and ask Christ to forgive you. Put your hope in him. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you want to experience life as it should be? As we sing this song, come to Jesus. I'm here, and I want to pray with somebody today. I want to tell you about your next steps. Don't hesitate. Today is the day of salvation. So as we sing, come. If you got any prayer concerns whatsoever, come and kneel at this altar. Let one of our prayer warriors pray over you. As we sing, 